today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Interesting news from Ukraine. Uh, First of all, experts now say that yesterday's shutdown of Ukraine's nuclear power plant has cut nuclear risks, which were starting to actually skyrocket and concern an awful lot of people. Charles de Ledesma has some details. The forced shutdown of Ukraine's endangered Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, Europe's largest, significantly reduces the risk of a radiation disaster that's concerned officials for weeks. The last of the Russian-occupied plant's six nuclear reactors was shut off on Sunday because Russia's military actions in Ukraine had repeatedly cut reliable external power supplies. That power is needed to prevent the reactors from overheating to the point of meltdown that could breach the surrounding concrete and steel containment walls and spew radiation through Ukraine, Russia and other nearby countries. I'm Charles de la Desma. Uh, we want to talk about that. I'll talk about the troop movements over the weekend, too, which were significant. And to do that, we're so pleased to welcome back to the program Elliot Tepper. Elliot, of course, is an emeritus professor of political science at Carleton University. Uh, good morning, Elliot. Great to have you with us again. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Good to be with you. Well, let me ta- start with the nuclear plant. Uh, important sure. news, of course, about the shutdown. The last reactor, of course, was turned off uh, yesterday, shut down yesterday. Uh, just to put this in perspective for uh, for our listeners, I know you're fully aware of this. Uh, when we start talking about nuclear concerns in, in Ukraine, uh, it brings back some pretty ugly memories of Chernobyl, because that's, that's exactly what happened there, wasn't it? Yes, in 1986. The um, first thing the Russians did in this invasion was to recapture Chernobyl. And then they later um, later withdrew, but uh, Chernobyl was, along with Fukushima, perhaps I, th- I think it exceeded Fukushima in terms of release of radiation. It is still a, a hot spot, one of the um, many signs of the irresponsibility of the Russian invasion is that they had <laughs> well they they had their own troops digging sand from Chernobyl to put in sandbags. It was radioactive sand, so those Russian soldiers are probably, you know, in bad shape right now, according to what I've been reading. So this is, you and I have been talking about this right from the opening seconds of this invasion. Was the nuclear threat, one of the two nuclear threats that come out of the invasion, the first one being, of course, the repeated threats by by Mr. Putin that he would use nuclear weapons. He hasn't talked that way lately, <laughs> but uh, yes, this, this meltdown, the the um, potential meltdown. This is not a meltdown, but this is a, uh, a site which has six nuclear reactors to produce electricity. This is the final one that's not been shut down. The sixth one has now been shut down because it's, in, it's entirely possible that it could, in fact, start to release radiation. Because well, uh, there's a war going on around it. I mean, it's not as if, you know, it's in isolation. I mean, you know, there, there are you know, people battling each other. The Russians control it. The Ukrainians are trying to uh, retake it. I mean, it's the chances of an accident are increasing substantially by, by every day here, aren't they? It's in all kinds of ways. Uh, the first one is that the Russians apparently have fortified it and are using it as a shield. They're firing out uh, from there, knowing that you can't fire back in. But there's missiles all around in nuclear, uh, a substantial nuclear weapons area. Uh, nuclear reactor area, so the possibility of mishap is there. But also, uh, the Ukrainian staff has to mine these. The Russians who have taken over that plant are not technically able to actually run it. So they are using Ukrainians, 
uh, the Ukrainian staff. Apparently, they've beaten two of them to death. They're beating others as well. Uh, so the staff has been forced to work under duress to save the Russians themselves from the possible release of nuclear radiation. Mr. Putin can clamp down on all the dissent he wants inside Russia, but he can't control which way the wind would blow if there is a radioactive leak, uh, radiation leak, and it gets into the atmosphere. Uh, it's a very, very dangerous situation. Uh, very. Put aside, and I'm not trying to downplay the danger because it is, as I say, magnifying almost on a daily basis now. Uh, but with the shutdown here, as you mentioned, this was a, a, a power supply plant for, for Ukraine. Uh, just as we've talked about oil and gas being in short supply over there in Europe right now and the, in, you know, the, the implications of that. Uh, what does this do for the, the, the people in Ukraine? A, a number of the cities have been decimated, but there are still people living in many of those communities. Yes, the uh, Russians apparently have been trying to take the one remaining electrical uh, line that's been, you know, generated electricity, which has been serving the Ukrainian area, and redirect it to service the Russian area, or to serve Russia itself uh, instead. But as part of that, <laughs> as part of that effort, they have now, as the International Atomic Energy Agency uh, inspectors have said, they have now put the whole plant in jeopardy. The, I, those inspectors are still on the ground there. Very bravely, they went in. They said, we're not leaving. The demand is, and it's a justified one, let's make this a demilitarized zone for everybody. Uh, it's far too dangerous to have it remain in a war zone. The Russians are insisting that it does remain in a war zone. The electricity is no longer there. The only electricity going in lately apparently was to service the plant itself to pre prevent this kind of potential radiation leak, and now that is in danger. What's interesting about this, and I think you made this point to us that one of the first days, as you mentioned, Elliot, of the invasion, uh, as one of their first objectives, as you mentioned, was Chernobyl. Uh, they didn't do much. I mean, they, they held it for a while, and they, they, it's under Ukrainian control once again. Uh, there was some concern about sabotaging, about doing any number of things, and apparently they didn't touch anything, and the, the speculation here is because they didn't know what they had. Yes, well, actually, there's some reports that they looted everything possible on the way out. They really didn't understand it. They were stealing computers and anything they could carry and trying to sabotage anything that was left behind. Uh, so it's basically very reckless and irresponsible and very dangerous uh, behavior by, by Russia regarding nuclear activity. All right, let's switch, if we could, to what happened uh, in the weekend, actually the days leading up to the weekend as well. Uh, we've we've heard stories about Russian soldiers just simply dropping their weapons on the battlefield and running uh, from the Ukrainian advances right now. And a number of, of communities were overtaken by Ukraine once again. And, and what some people, uh, Elliot, are saying is one of the most significant uh, weekends of the war so far, and, and from the Ukraine standpoint anyway, about you know taking their country back. What, what's your read on what you've seen? Well, quite clearly, it's a major development. We don't know <laughs> how much longer this war will go on. The first major development, as everybody points out, was the failure of the Russians to implement Plan A, which was to have their uh, blitzkrieg and uh, take over the Russian, uh, the Ukrainian government, kill its leaders, and basically eliminate Ukraine as a state. That didn't work out for them. They then shifted all their activity to the to the um, uh, Donbass region and then tried to consolidate there. So what we are now seeing was 
a, a blitz by Ukraine. The Russians are now saying, oh, they had an 8-to-1 manpower advantage over us, and that's why we lost. But what's happened is that the Ukrainian forces now uh, have retaken a lot of the territory around the key area, Kharkiv, and they're uh, just quoting some here. Ukrainian forces have penetrated Russian lines to a depth of 70K in some places, captured over 3,000 square K of territory in the past five days, more territory than the Russian forces have captured in all of their operations since April, and another 500K have been taken by Ukraine since then. So Ukraine, in a counteroffensive, they kept saying, oh, we're going to attack in the south, we're going to attack in the south, we're going to have a counteroffensive. The Russians moved a lot of their troops down to the south, and then, and then um, Ukraine then moved, as we've seen, in a, in a striking offense, a counteroffensive, to try to liberate areas, and they are striking toward uh, the Donbass itself. So earlier we saw them strike uh, inside Crimea, behind Russian lines there, and now they are heading toward uh, areas which are Russian-speaking. This, this, is, this is an area that they thought they would automatically be welcomed in with flowers, and now people are running into the streets to welcome Ukrainian forces liberating those areas. The uh, Russian news agency, I'm sure you saw this report too, Elliot Tass, uh, says that uh, the defense ministry actually ordered the troops to leave that vicinity to reinforce operations elsewhere. Uh, Yet when uh, the the Ukraine forces moved in there, and as did some media, uh, there were rifles left behind, artillery left behind, armored vehicles left behind. That doesn't sound much like a retreat. No, it was a it was a chaotic as it, all the media covers it. That's a, a chaotic uh, retreat. Apparently, some of the soldiers left in their underwear. They dropped their rifles on the ground. Substantial quantities of material, very important uh, for the Ukrainian armed forces. A substantial amount of u- material was left behind. Armaments, uh, APVs in particular, a bunch of tanks that are either damaged or can be repaired or intact right now. So it is. It was a rout. I don't think there's any doubt about that. All right, but talk to me about the implications of this, because there was a story late last week uh, that indicated that uh, that some of the nations, including the United States, in particular the United States, uh, were sending messages, uh, at least implying anyway, that, uh, that the, the weaponry that they've been supplying to, to Ukraine for the last little while... Uh, Maybe you've got what you've got, and that's all you're going to get. Uh, they haven't said that yet, but there seemed to be some concern. And uh, does this indicate right now that, look, it, you can't stop now. Look what we're doing. We're on the edge here of doing something to get our country back. You've got to continue with this? Certainly, um, that's going to be a message that's obvious and self-evident, that we are making effective use of the weapons that you're giving us, but we really need more in order to keep this going. Uh, What's interesting is apparently both sides are running out of armament readily at hand. The Russians, you'll remember, were um, supposed to have such an overwhelming superiority and the capacity to produce them that they could swamp anything Ukraine could do. Now, both sides are scrambling. Russia, uh, because right now we're talking about, you know, the West is having difficulties. Uh, they're reaching into their stocks. Uh, some countries, Germany among them, saying, well, we, we've given what we can give, um, what we have readily on hand. But uh, two things are happening. One is Russia is going around the world. We know through Iran and to North Korea, what a 
fine combination of states. They're buying drones. They're buying um, ammunition. And they're, they're, they're breaking sanctions uh, to get those in. And on the western side, it's the um, – and by the way, the, just after this victory uh, by the Ukrainians in this route, uh, the <laughs> Russians are saying we're now going to keep our tank manufacturing production, their weapons – Twenty four seven. They no nobody gets a holiday. They are running out of materials. Hard to believe, but but in the uh, West, are we really going to see a running out of material there? Mr. Zelensky, President Zelensky, is addressing manufacturers directly. <laughs> he's, uh, Western manufacturers of weapons. He's going to be addressing them this week, saying, "We need this. Help your own country. Help us." What, what do you read into this uh, long term here? Is is this the tide turning here? Uh, do the Russians uh, mount a, a counteroffensive to try to take some of these regions back? Uh, and as one commentator was speculating in the weekend, or does Putin just simply say, well, we've accomplished what we wanted. You know, we've eradicated the Nazi movement. Uh, so we're going home now. Yes, uh, that's always been an option right from the beginning when they plan A didn't work out for them and they, they could have gone back and said, look, we're going to uh, we are now liberated the Donbass. By the way, they, the referenda that they were planning to hold in these little statelets and others, uh, in other areas they grabbed, they were going to have these fake referendums saying, now this is part of Russia. They canceled those. So uh, President Zelensky has said, there's no way we can have negotiations. This is uh, uh, The Russians are cannibals. So if you give them what they want, they just say, okay, we'll take that. Then they wait a little while and they'll take more. This happened after 2014. Well, look what happened. They grabbed a bunch of territory. Now they come back. If you give them more territory now, they'll just wait and come back for more. The only way this can end diplomatically is for Russia to go back from being a terrorist state to being a normal state that has a dispute. Then we can talk. Uh, it's looking to be a very pivotal week and uh, we're so glad you had some time to talk to us about this this morning elliot uh, to give this some perspective uh, we'll be watching events with great interest over the next uh, few days especially uh, take uh, care of yourself looks uh, and uh, i i'll be touching base with you i'm sure as we get some more developments about what's happening i know president Zelensky is uh, is going to be making a statement i understand later on today our time anyway uh, about what's happening there uh, thank you uh, and we'll we'll get to that in just a couple of seconds. Elliot, take care. And uh, oh, you're very welcome. Take care, and, and we'll chat any time about this ongoing tragedy. And I appreciate that. And and that's the indication here that this might you know be actually a turning point in the war that's going on in Ukraine right now. However, I think we've probably reached that and one a couple of times before, and and you know all of a sudden things can change dramatically. Uh, but there's still some concerns, as we mentioned at the beginning of that conversation, about the nuclear plant and the implications there of the Russians still holding that a very valuable asset. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.